Hey everyone, it's Marvin. Uh, this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by Audible Presents Good Enemy, a new play by Yilong Liu, directed by Che Yu, playing now at the Manetta Lane Theater in New York City. The play is about a father who learns that closing the door on his past means shutting his daughter out. When Howard makes a surprise cross-country trip to see his college-aged TikTok-loving daughter, he's forced to confront the realities of the relationship and the rift between them, a rift caused by Howard's own refusal to face memories of his life as a young man in China. In a smart, thrilling story that deftly weaves together two generations and two continents amidst sweeping social change, Good Enemy explores the power of human connections, affirming that no one lives an ordinary life, no matter how hard they try. The New York Times cheers with a serious mind, an inventive spirit, and a goofball heart. Good Enemy is a melange of a play about getting a second chance and being wise enough to grab it. The play is in its final weeks of production and must end on November 27th. So if you're interested and in New York City, you can learn more and get your tickets now at goodenemyplay.com. And just for good pop listeners, you can get 25% off your tickets by using the discount code GPCC25. Again, that's goodenemyplay.com with discount code GPCC25. And now, the show. You're listening to... Whoa! Hot luck. And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 129. My name is Marvin Yuet, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian American, Jess Jew. Hey Marvin. What's up, Jess? Um, I'm I'm recovering from a hard battle. I'll talk more about it, but <laughs> Ooh, yeah, you participated been... in Taylor Bowl 2022. <laughs> oh, it's a lot. Just, and like, I wasn't even that like, I'm even old now where I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, if I don't get it, that sucks. But also that means I don't have to go through the rigmarole of like getting to SoFi and like mm-hmm. actually attending the concert, which I want to go, but I don't want to go through like everything else around getting there. Mm. Um, but I, I did, yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, more we'll about talk about it, this later. Um, we're also coming off when I was listening to our episode last week during editing. I was like, man, <laughs> we sound real beat up. We're real cynical today, <laughs> and it turned out things ain't so bad. America has well, not let us down completely. Maybe halfway there, but not completely. I, which I is mean, nice. it, it giveth and it taketh away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this week, so. we got to take. We gotta take the the take our wins, yeah, and and yeah, you know, it was it was not as bad as it could be. Was it as great as could have? No, no. But it's also like you know, we have stemmed the rising tide of fascism just a little bit, a little bit. At least in our neck of the woods, can't say yeah, the same locally. for other parts of our country. Oh, also joining us, um, Han Win. The most professional culture editors and someone who's had probably had a very busy news week. Yeah, and probably not as busy as my news and politics desk. As a culture <laughs> writer and editor, we uh, we are definitely aware of the midterms and it that has uh, tinted some of our stories for sure. Um, but not as rigorously covering every single nuance of the elections that uh other verticals have for salon. I mean, I feel like we had some stories about certain celebrities endorsing ultra capitalists for uh, mayor of our city. 
Yeah, uh, we thought briefly about trying to cover that. And then finally, I was like, that's just going to be a depressing roundup <laughs> of like just people I you no longer want to agree with. So I was like, we'll wait until something actually happens. Like if one of them runs or something like that, mm. then um, yeah, we since we only have a few writers, um, we have to be kind of picky about what we cover. So we can't do everything exhaustively, which, <laughs> you know, I'm fine with that. You know, that's probably a good thing for your mental health and well-being. So I applaud your yeah. leadership. There's already yeah, there's already too much culture anyway. So. Oh, way too we much need culture. less. Um, we need less culture. <laughs> we need less. Well, this week we're talking about the cultural moment that's happening right now in pop culture, which is the release of the sequel to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, um, directed by Ryan Coogler, that has the most difficult task of having to follow up a groundbreaking first film without their lead actor. Uh, did they pull it off? Um, we'll discuss after the break. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through. This week, Jess, I need to know. I need to know about <laughs> your Taylor Bowl experience. Okay, What's popping? Okay, so as a Taylor, as a Swifty from way back, I thought I had enough what I call like Taylor points <laughs> um, where I didn't, because were, you were supposed to get like pre-sale access if you bought tickets to Loverfest which I did have tickets to Loverfest on my official email, like Ticketmaster like email. And then like, you know, everyone got those like emails. Like I bought records um, and like, and let me tell you how I had to get these Taylor points, guys. Six years ago, when Taylor <laughs> Swift released Reputation, which I think a lot of people did not understand. Um, it, and also Taylor is like, because I think that's the one right after like 1989, right? Is this the Shake It Off one? Are you asking us? Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. It's been a while, and my chronology is a little shaky now because COVID has made my brain a bunch of Swiss cheese. But essentially, you know, she really blew up with 1989, uh, which was the big, her big pop album. And then the one right after was Reputation, which I will admit I think has her worst songs ever, mm. like like ever. And I think people didn't understand the, like whole like mood swift and like you know it's this is called the era store she goes to different eras and it's just like people didn't get it it's actually a very strong album um overall and some of the really really great songs and like the last two thirds but like i think like the three worst songs she's ever released are like the top three of this and they were her first three si singles um for this album so like it, it wasn't like her most publicly lauded um, and so, but she was going on tour for this album, a stadium tour. So you could get like Taylor points and get bumped up in the line to purchase tickets by repeating, repeat, like by streaming her YouTube, her music video on YouTube, retweeting her merch oh my stuff, God. <laughs> buying merch. So I did this every single day in the period that they were counting. I would literally just have the music video on in the background of, of a song I hated <laughs> on mute and just like have it on repeat. So I got tickets to, the, I got very good tickets to Reputation. I was on the floor and it was not, it was expensive, but not like crazy. And then um, that carried over into Lover Fest pre-sale. And that should have carried over into um, to this concert, Eras Tour. Okay, but like apparently like in this time period, everyone has now realized that Taylor Swift is amazing and cool and they love her. Um, you know, people who used to bully me for fucking liking Taylor Swift are now like, I want Taylor Swift tickets. Like, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Okay. 
So I'm in line. Um, tickets for West Coast was going on sale at 10 a.m. I go online and the fucking website crashes, which we all knew was going to happen. I'm like, Ticketmaster, we did not anticipate. Ticketmaster, you should have anticipated. You knew how many codes there were. Yeah, this you is not the first the time, right? I feel mm-hmm. like this happened like the last few times they had like big ticket, like every yeah. BTS, Adele, like all those. Yeah. So everyone's, I mean, they're also trying to like simultaneously like sell concerts. Like, you know, they're coming out 10 a.m. local time. And then they have a second wave of pre-sale that's supposed to start at 2 p.m. the same day. So like it just overloaded the system and like everything crashed. So then we get this email. They're like, okay, we're moving pre-sale open to 3 p.m. today. We're like, great. I got to do this all again. So I get to do this all again. And then I'm in like the 2000 plus queue, right? I learned on TikTok how to actually check where you are in the queue. I was number 24,851. So if my stadium has a capacity of 70,000, I was like, okay, I probably can still get tickets if not everyone's buying like six each, which I had to do because as the designated ticket buyer Mm. with the Taylor points, I had a lot of people's hopes. (laughs) So... I I finally get it and it takes me 90 minutes to get into the actual like for the queue to move all the way so I can actually buy tickets, which is not as bad as some people. I know some people were waiting for three, four hours. And then I try as soon as I'm trying to like find tickets, they're like, sorry, they're gone. Sorry, they're gone. Sorry, they're gone. Oh, my God. So and there's like all these packages. Like, I don't know. There's dynamic pricing. I got my date on the Saturday because my fiance has work. And like it's so far as a shit show to try to get to like after work. It's it's just all bad. Like it's it's the parking's terrible. So like I need to go on a non weekday, which is this, this is her only non her weekend show on, a, on in the Los Angeles. She's doing multiple shows, but this is the only one on a weekend. And so, of course, the demand is crazy. So I'm like paying. I had to pay like 200 plus dollars for like shit, shitty ass seats, like towards the back of the stage. Like, I don't even know if I can see her. Oh, no. And I'm just like, I am not paying for tickets at this point. I am paying to get out of this line so I can go oh. live on the rest of my life. <laughs> and I'm considered one of the lucky ones because I got tickets. Wow. So that was the ordeal. I'm like, you know, this doesn't feel like a victory. But we live to fight another day. And then, like, I go back after all this ordeal and I'm like, wait, what? Poland got attacked? I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, I got to ask, was it worth it? I don't know. I mean, you'll sure see. It's, it's going to be an amazing concert. She puts sure. on an amazing concert. Mm-hmm. I am a fan of all her eras. I love Country Taylor. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Um, well, I mean, you'll get great view of the Jumbotron, I guess. Shut the fuck up, Marvin. Go, 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 go choke on an egg. <laughs> how are, how is the food at these concerts? Is it just like stadium food? Or yeah, we're get, not fi- eating. You're, you get you nachos? Eat, well, oh, like, I would wanna, eat. You well, you get there early. Because then you have to pee, and that's like a pain in the ass. It's oh. a huge football stadium. Uh. And then also, like, you don't want to be, like, up chucking because you're jumping. Like, you're, this is going to be a concert where you're going to be, like, on your feet and vibing, you know, with all the other people in the concert. So I'm just like, I'm I'm just going to – we'll see when we get there. So it's, like, 20 bucks for, like, like, a, like a hot dog. So So – I know what you mean as far as like, well, if you decided if you just didn't get the tickets, you'd be fine because you wouldn't have to worry about it. So I am this coming week going to attend Elton John 
Um, Ooh, the Dodger yeah, one? At Dodger Stadium. His but last it, one, right? But it, yeah, and it's also through Disney Plus uh, is why I'm going. So I'm hoping that they actually do feed us in like this special like suite or something. They definitely are giving us cocktails, they said. So I was like, well, you can't just give us liquor. You got to give us food. So I was like, if you just give me a few Dodger dogs, or at least I prefer the uh, sausages. I was like, I'd be fine with that. I'm not fancy. You're in a ballpark. You need to eat, just eat the stuff that they give you. But uh, so I'm hoping for that. And yes, I will go to the bathroom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm not. I, the only thing that I'm worried about is, am I going to be outside? Do I need to dress for the cold? Like, yes, bring a jacket. But I've been to Dodger Stadium for a concert. I went for Paul McCartney and it's still easier to get in and out than SoFi. Yeah. Oh, no, no. SoFi scares me. <laughs> like I love Hans Humblebright that she's going to attend um and also John concert in a yeah. suite and get free coffee. Well, I don't I don't know if it's going to be in a suite or not. That's my hope <laughs> because the last time um well, last time, the only time I've been to Dodger Stadium, I told my friends, I only want to go if we are in the place with the fancy food because I was like <laughs> I don't like baseball. And so they're like, sure. And then when they got the tickets, they didn't go to the place with the fancy food. So I was just like, well, okay, then I guess I'm just going to hang out with you guys and eat you know, hot dogs. And I don't remember the game. I don't remember any of that stuff. I brought a book. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a good person to go watch baseball. But, I mean, to be uh, fair, half the fun of going to a baseball game is eating the nachos, the hot dogs, and just like well, the $20 yeah. beers. We, yeah, we made our friend do a, a 10 hot dog challenge. And so, oh my did. God. Um, is he still alive? Yeah. Well, here's the funny thing. I was like, that's not a big deal. Um, when I was a kid, that was like, I could eat those easily. Like, yeah. 10, easily. When you're a kid, when your heart doesn't yeah. explode from all the sodium. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just had the capacity then. Like, uh, but he is six something, I don't know, six three. Oh. So he should have the capacity, but he was definitely waning by then. Uh, so didn't you yeah. see, read that report? They're like, a oh, one hot dog takes off like seventeen minutes of your life." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so how many how many minutes of his life did he take? I off? don't know, but we also contributed to it because it's like it's not like he was going to buy ten hot dogs himself. Well, we the math, like, right? Ten hot dogs, seventeen, yeah. seventeen minutes, one hundred and seventy minutes. minutes. So yeah. he's just yeah. knocked off. A Marvel is that, movie? Is that, is that less than the runtime of Wakanda <laughs> Forever? What <laughs> thing is about there? Uh, yeah. Uh, so he too is like a Marvel character. Yes. Anyway, a hero. <laughs> well, um, congrats to yes. you, Jess. Thank you. I mean, yeah, yes. It is. We'll figure. Um, I will be excited after I get over just like the trauma of, of that and the disappointment. But But yes. All right. Han, what's popping with you? Ah, uh, I was late to this recording because I was watching an episode of a very new TV show I was very excited about. Um, Netflix did not give us all the screeners ahead of time because of spoilers. So now I have to be like all the rest of you chumps and watch it uh, live this week. But the show is called 1899. Wait, it dropped? Uh, tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> Okay. I'm still a plea because I haven't watched nothing like you. Right. But but I still can't, you know, I don't know the ending yet. So honestly, I'm actually behind. I've only seen two episodes and um, they gave us six and there's going to be a total of eight. So um, 1899 is the new series by the same people who made Dark, uh, just 
reminding you that dark was the German language, um, really bizarre, mind-bending, time-traveling uh, TV show that I think both Marvin and I have talked about before that I was totally obsessed with. It's full of Germans. You don't know who they are. And yet by the end, you know every single one of them and who they're related to, including their own people that yeah, they are dating. Yes, one person is their own grandmother. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I've seen so, that before. <laughs> no, it's so good, though. I mean, it's just like I, I feel like I want everyone to watch Dark and they haven't yet. Um, anyway, so going into this, I was like, well, whatever it is, I don't know what it is, uh, but I will love it. So 1899 is set in that year. It's set, um, set in a uh, boat that is traveling from London to New York and it's full of European immigrants. Uh, which means that you're not only hearing German, you are hearing Spanish and uh, French and English. And actually, there is a, a Chinese. Um, it's full of, I don't know, a bunch of people who you eventually are just like, wait, they're not who they present themselves to be. Um, and then there's also like a ghostly boat that supposedly sunk that they find called the Prometheus. Um, there are beetles running around. There are people who are dead who are who are all of a sudden in front of your face. So it's like like Lost, The Shining, Titanic, and a lot of things uh, together and probably Dark. I would say if, <laughs> if you're familiar with Dark, then maybe you know like to expect the unexpected. Um, but uh, I, I what's great is I really can't spoil anything for you because I am only a few episodes <laughs> in. but And I have no fucking idea what's going on. And I'm very happy with that. Um, I think if anyone has watched Dark, you kind of understand that you have to just commit yourself to being really confused, but enjoy the atmosphere. It looks really cool. The casting's perfect. The music's bizarre. So when you get those like Netflix subtitles that describe the music, you're going to get a lot of that eerie, creaky noise, blah, 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 blah. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think what else is so great. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, so it's kind of like a Victorian Gothic thing on a boat. And there's extra elements that I haven't figured out yet, which is great. Um, I like the multicultural cast. Uh, I definitely do think the, uh, or at least one of the Chinese characters is very interest, uh, intriguing for reasons that I have not figured out quite yet because of secrets. Um, and one person who people... Uh, who watched Dark may recognize is uh, the guy who played older adult Jonas. Um, Jonas oh. is the sea captain. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's pretty much the only maybe familiar face, uh, which is also fine because we don't need those, um, the rest of them. But yeah, so I, I very much look forward to at least Marvin, if you watch it, we can talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Should we make Jess watch it too, or should we? Just I don't, keep I don't it to know. As sure. Much as, I mean, if you want to watch eight hours of this stuff, <laughs> like I'm down. But uh, sure, we should I'm just give it a few text weeks. You guys, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> is what the um. Fuck? So, are they dropping all eight episodes, or is it going to be like a weekly thing? I think it's all eight episodes because they told me that the last two episodes will receive once it drops, and I was like, well, what's the point of that? Just give it to me now. Um. <laughs> So and I think they said the seventeenth. So I believe it should all be at once, which means I need to watch it as fast as I can uh, by the end of this weekend because next week it's going to be Thanksgiving. So I have a lot of like work to do that week because it's only a three day week. Um, 
but I have to it fill four days. Week. Yeah, I have to fill four days of the weekend with stories. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that math doesn't quite work out. Um, but yeah, so I'm very yeah. excited about it. It's looking very cool so far. I'm also excited about it because I do need a show to watch after I finish Andor, which is what's popping for me. Um, because I was thinking about what I've been watching and consuming, and it's just it's just Andor all the time. So, um, you know, I watch Andor, then I read the tweets about Andor, then I listen to podcasts about Andor. <laughs> it's it's so, just so, so. Do you like Andor, Marvin? It's pretty damn good still. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys have started or caught up yet, but these past three episodes feature some just A plus top tier, capital A. Capital C, capital T, capital I, capital N, <laughs> capital G acting from both Stellan Skarsgård and a special... My boyfriend? Yes. <laughs> a special a special guest appearance by Andy Serkis as himself for once, yes. not as a CG He's creature. good. Yeah. And man, you know, that guy is I want is to a, remind th- everybody that Andy Serkis played the boss in 13 going on 30 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of the fashion magazine and does the thriller dance with Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo. Just a fantastic movie if not if you have not seen that. And man, both of them gave just steam ceiling speeches in this past episode. Like Stellan Scarser gives what is pretty much like a Shakespearean um, soliloquy at the end of the last week's episode that like mm-hmm. rivals like I've never heard anyone give a soliloquy in Star Wars in before. Star Wars in the Star Wars yeah, in the yeah. Star Wars. But here we are putting the opera and space opera still in Skarsgård, being like the most menacing I've ever seen him. I I have I, it has reached Twitter and I or my section of Twitter and I did see a um, snapshot, not even the video, but the snapshot of the, the quote of that soliloquy, and I'm like. <laughs> Damn. Tony Gilroy, you you really are writing. You mad <laughs> You go. <lad>. You go. <laughs> mm-hmm. You you wrote that. And 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 a Star Wars a Star Wars had had a writing in it. Wow. That's this is this what could it be all the time? Actually, Tony Gilroy, I don't think he wrote like this episode was written by Bo mm-hmm. Willimon, who Willimon. was a screenwriter on um House of Cards. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay. He's also a playwright, so definitely you see the yeah. Oh yes. On this, are we? Are we? I think it ends next week. Are we picking a week to finally, as a team, talk about Andor? I would or? like to, and yeah. this seems yeah. okay. like yeah. after years upon years, we just this is the ten year <laughs> anniversary of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. And I'm saying it's been it's it's been a long time since we ate this well in Star Wars land. <laughs> Like since Rogue One came out, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much which, since the which last was the Jedi same character, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, everyone talks about how amazing the circus and the um, Skarsgård scenes are, but Diego Luna as like the main character is giving a very, it's a very interesting portrayal because he's a guy who's kind of just taking everything in, and so he actually does a lot of acting with his face and mm-hmm. like this oh, entire boy, what a face. <laughs> I mean, this show is just, it's just a showcase for, like, what happens when you put, like, thought? Not thought, like, what happens when you, like, you take the theme seriously, right? Because Star Wars, we've seen it in Book of Boba, we saw it in Obi-Wan. It can very easily just be a bunch of callbacks and, like, hey, remember these cool things that you love? Here's more of it. And it's been cool to see week after week, like, 11 episodes so far, where they're just pushing it. Like, what stories can we tell about rebellion, resisting fascism? 
what it means to be a cog in the fascist system and like be so unapologetic about it. And, or, or it's like what happens when um the Disney overlords forget about you <laughs> and you're allowed to do whatever you want. I mean he's pretty much making Michael Clayton space, which is amazing. That's that's amazing. That's that's <laughs> what that I think that's what more star or so I heard someone I saw a tweet where someone was like, This is like the first Disney show where there was like not an attempt for a toy sale. I mean, yeah. they did make toys for Andor. There's a Lego set where you get to play as the cops that botched their raid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they meant like Wait, more of, Yeah. Like there's not a cute stuffed animal for kids. There's not a lot of uh, well, yeah. there is a cute droid. And that let me tell you, this week's episode episode droid. eleven, the droid has the most emotional scene uh, in the I entire do have series. To s- I do have to say, the droid is maybe not cute. He's really stressing me out, you know, because he has to go through so much. I was just like, at one point, I think um, uh, Cassian just like shut him up or whatever. And I was just like, no, I want to hear what the droid has to say. I mean, Jess, I don't know if you've, have you started watching Andor yet? I am not waiting for everything because I don't, I need to go track my, someone to have a, like I have access to a Disney log on somewhere in my like circle but mine officially my three-year <laughs> account officially ended at the beginning of november so i do have to track another one down well they are starting right. to air it on um fx soon oh but then you have oh. to wait week to week so i don't know um we can probably we can probably work it out but the, the but what i want to say is from what you've explained to me about your dog mm-hmm. this droid is your dog in droid form Aww. oh no is that that's uh, like a bad thing. Like, like a, a emotionally needy old dog. See, droid. see, the this droid is just really making me sad. <laughs> no chowder droid. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Endor is still good. If you haven't started watching it, um, it's a good time to start because by the time you catch up, it'll be the season finale. So if, you, if you've been holding off for you, uh huh, Marvin. Um, yeah. How do you feel about Stellan Skarsgård now that you, you know, because I know you were watching Andor and then I made you watch Mamma Mia where he plays sexy adventure dad. So does that change how you see Stellan Skarsgård at all? Here's the thing. There's a couple scenes in Andor where he channels Bill Anderson energy. And now I know where that comes from. It comes from his... It's called range, baby. (laughs) It comes from range. (sighs) Anyways, watch Andor. It's good. All right. Before we get to Black Panther, um, let's check in real quick. We're coming up on the finale of this season of The Great British Bake Off, and we have a two out of three chance of having another Asian champion. (laughs) But there's really only one we're really gunning for. (laughs) Well, yeah, we have one that has been spectacular and one that's just been there. He, like, snuck by. I'm very surprised. (laughs) He, He stepped it up, though, in this past episode, so... He finally got a star baker. <laughs> yeah, but still kind of just mid, right? Like we're we're gunning, like we're all about our girl Sabira. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Um, and you know, I feel like another sub segment we should have of this is like what stupid racist stuff did <laughs> uh Paul Hollywood and Prudley say to Sabira Shabira this week. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's just like and um, I, I, I like it. this one was just like so obvious. Like I've just mm-hmm. seen like multiple people like, what are you talking about? Fruit and peanut butter. They're like, it's a peanut butter and jelly. Like, yeah. That's not new. About? Yeah. That's not new. And they, they were acting like it was some weird exotic thing. They're like, well, we'll trust you. 
You know, like, you just saying that because she's brown. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Well, at the very least, no food was crimed this week, which is <laughs> something I was not pl- uh, counting on tracking. We can, yeah, we can reset. Season. It's been one week. It's since. been one week. Let's see <laughs> if they um, stick the landing and make the two by the end of the season. Mm. Oh, but yeah, I think we're all Team Shabira here, right? Yes, yeah, she's doing the most interesting stuff. Her, they always look amazing, and I think of the she's the best personality left. Like she's yeah, they got rid of yeah, they got rid of her her friend Yanush. Yanush. Yeah. yeah, Yanush was he was fun. But Yanush like, was fun, but he was uh, but you know he had a bad week, which yeah yeah something yeah. that's you know we still haven't forgiven Sandro about the mustache cake, and like we said, Abdul was just there. He's just there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Abdul. You seem like a nice fella, but, you know, sure. kind of boring. You're, you're no Shabira. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, we're, we'll find out next week if uh, if our girl makes it or if um, if someone else wins. Either way, hopefully it'll be a exciting episode in a season that's been very, very uneven. Hmm. <laughs> I'm bitter. It is fun to make fun of, I guess. Um, We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about Wakanda forever um, on the Good Pop Culture Club. Stick around. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that. But you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're returning to the MCU to talk about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, um, the latest film by Ryan Coogler starring... Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, um, Danai Gurira, uh, Winston Duke, uh, among others. Um, I guess Martin Freeman's in there too. Oh, Angela Bassett. Very <laughs> Martin important. Freeman's in there too. <laughs> <laughs> 
The film is the sequel to 2018's Black Panther, um, the film that taught Marvel that you can have a film starring people of color being unapologetically themselves, and it could do really, really well in the box office. In Wakanda Forever, we return to the no. fictional futuristic African nation yeah. of Wakanda mm -hmm. as they deal with the sudden death of King T'Challa, a.k.a. the Black Panther, who was played by Chadwick Boseman, who tragically passed away himself um, early in the production of this film. And the story centers around his younger sister, Princess Shuri, um, who struggles with her grief um, dealing with her brother's death, as well as trying to figure out how to protect her own country when outside influences begin to eye um, their country's natural resources in the wake of um, the Black Panther's death. The film also stars Tena Huerta as um, the submariner Namor, a um, basically, uh, I don't know the history, but I think Namor predates Aquaman in the comic um, history, but it's pretty much the same character. Um, he is a superhero that operates in the water. He has super strength, and he is the king of an underwater civilization, which in this film is a civilization descended from the Mayans who were driven to the ocean by Spanish conquistadors um, after gaining the power to breathe underwater um, through superheroic means. Namor and Shuri are driven into conflict with each other thanks to shenanigans by the Western powers, um, namely America, who are searching for their own source of vibranium in the ocean and inadvertently encroaches on um, the undiscovered underwater nation of Talukan ruled by Namor, who then demands that Wakanda take responsibility uh, for revealing the secrets of vibranium to the world. And yeah, what ensues is a battle of fists, wits of ideologies as Shuri tries to figure out what kind of leader she wants to be. Uh, so uh, let's get started. Um, as always, we'll be keeping our initial discussion spoiler free. Um, and uh, we're going to try something new this week, which is we're going to put our spoiler discussion at the end of the episode. So if you stick around past the credits and our end of show advertisement, um, you can enter our new spoiler zone where we'll be discussing some topics that may be a, a little bit more spoilery. Um, so stick around if you want to join in on that. Um, but yeah, let's get started. Um, what did we think of Black Panther Wakanda Forever? I was very interested. I, I wasn't really following the news. I, I I don't know if it was just me, but I felt like the Marvel machine is like losing a little bit of steam in terms of marketing. Like I feel like this would have been, this should have felt like a much bigger deal. Like I was aware it was coming out, but there didn't seem to be like a million and one activations surrounding it. Um, or maybe I just wasn't aware of it. So I didn't wasn't really following the press tour or the, you know, news reports about it. Um, and just very interesting. Or like, I didn't, I don't even know if I watched the tra full trailer before I went to go watch the movie. But, you know, everyone in the real world kind of knows the circumstances of what happened with Chaswick Boseman's passing with Ryan Coogler having to retool the movie and then finding a way forward in the bigger context of the phase, whatever, of Marvel we're in, right? Um, that's like a really hard, really hard task, like on a professional level, right? Making a movie is like already kind of like a miracle. Make a movie under the circumstance during COVID. And then just like the personal element of like losing a very 
you know, beloved friend, coworker, artist that they, uh, you could tell they all care deeply for. I was like, damn, like, how are they going to do this? And I think overall it was pretty successful. Um, it's a long movie. They're trying, they have to do a lot, as I just mentioned. Um, I did kind of have to leave some of my, like, I know a little too much about things in the real world at the door when I walked into the movie theater. We can talk about that later if you want. But I do think overall it's like really successful. I think part of it is that Ryan Coogler is extremely talented. I think it's also because overall the acting talent of this ensemble cast is like legions above every other Marvel movie or most movies in general. Like it's you're having Angela Bassett like you're having Angela Bassett and like Michaela Cole and like Denai Guerrero, who is like a very celebrated playwright and like stage actor, uh, and like give credit with credit dudes like Letitia Wright, like just like fucking owning this shit. And like I think the theme of the central theme of grief is a rich text to have them act upon. Um, was it a perfect movie? No. But I was pretty impressed that they kind of managed to pull it all together given the circumstances. And then also, I'm not going to lie, I think I'm a little biased because Tena Cuerta is like one of the most <laughs> beautiful people. Um, a lot, like, like young me would not get it, but like adult woman <laughs> just you, like seeing that man in his little like mantis, like his little green mantis and like those thighs <laughs> and like, I, I try to come I, I watch it with Raymond and like every time like he's just I'm just like you know he has a point like I would I would yeah I would do it like yeah I turn if he's like if sexy if bad why sexy and then and then I was like to Raymond's like would you consider getting a septum piercing because <laughs> Raymond does kind of vibe like Namor I mean <laughs> like he is Beyonce. the king of an underwater civilization why wear clothes when you're underwater, right? Which is great, right? <laughs> and, like, you know this man worked really hard to look good. Like, everyone else gets, like, body sculpting suits and, like, spandex. And, you you know, like, I we've all watched the specials. You, can, you don't get muscle definition in spandex. Like, they have to build in muscle with, like, plastic. Or, like, you know, they print it into the super suit. And I was like, no, he just, he just has to, he just has to be in his little, little green Spanx. <laughs> He looks real good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed this film overall as well. And I think, you know, I think I'm still in the throes of my MCU fatigue um, because, well, conceptually, I can see that this is a good MCU film, like one of the better ones that I've seen. Um, I did find myself losing steam um, halfway through the film, especially during the fight scenes. And this isn't the fault of the film. I, I mean, the fight scenes are very good, um, very flashy, lots of slick CGI and explosions and action choreography. But I definitely felt that they could have been a little bit shorter, maybe. Um, the film was a tad long, in my opinion. And I think by nature of this being a superhero film, you needed those fights. But all I really wanted was to go back to these actors, you know, doing the acting, bringing to life the story about grief, about anger, and this classic pairing between Namor and the Black Panther, who are often paired together in the comics. And I think, you know, this pairing was something that Ryan Cooler wanted to do for a long time. Um, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
wasn't Henry Golding originally casted to be Namor? I do not remember. And what a what a terrible casting. Sorry, like Henry Golding is a lot of things, including a very nice man. But yeah, the one thing he's not is like menacing. <laughs> he's not. He doesn't have no. that like menacing. Like I'm gonna fuck up your country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, the stuff that didn't work for me in this film turned out to mostly be the superhero stuff, which yeah. is a bummer. Because like I said, it's not bad. And I think if I had watched this film even two years ago, I would have totally loved it. But you know what it is? It's an extension of my and or brain rot. It's just I see what could be if like they just give complete control over to the filmmaker and I kind of wish Ryan Cooper had that. I don't know if he did. Right? No, he never does. Because you never do in a Marvel movie. Because you are you have to fit in the Kevin Feige overall, like, phase milestones, right? Like, I'm sure there are just things he can't change. Like, you got to get, you know, you have to make sure this gets in there. Which, I do think there are some things that dragged. Um, but, like... Like a few days out of watching it, like all the what I remember the most are just like the scenes where like Angela Bassett and like Letitia Wright are talking. Yeah. Like I, I remember the talking scenes, which is I don't know if that's weird to remember from a Marvel movie, but um I and I do think this movie had more of the relationship building and the kind of emotional like arc than some others. Han, what did you think about Black Panther? What kind of forever? Um, yeah, I had a lot of mixed feelings overall. Uh, enjoyable. I think they really tried some different things, which is why I found it refreshing. Um, you watch it and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And all of a sudden you're crying when the logo comes up <laughs> because it's completely silent. But it's the Marvel logo is filled with images of Chadwick Boseman, T'Challa. And you're just like, What's going on? Why am I feeling these feelings? Uh, so that, I think, really set the tone for kind of like putting you in the same emotional space as some of the other characters um, and reminding you, of course, like what the impact of Black Panther, not the character, but the movie and Chadwick Boseman had been for the whole like franchise um, and, you know, America. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was good. Um, I we will get into some of the themes that were made me uncomfortable. Um, but I think because of the bloatedness of this movie, which was both too long and yet too short, because there are a lot of unanswered questions, um, it did mean that certain things got short shrift, and I felt like they did a really great job when it came to setting up the not just the grief, but the way that the characters had to be transformed through it in order to earn where they finally ended up. And so we got like really great emotional arcs. Um, it wasn't the only time I got verklempt, you know, <laughs> in uh, while watching it. And, um, but because of that, because there are like a zillion one uh, Wakandans that we enjoy that they had to fit in. There's also a new character, Riri Williams, that we finally got to meet, plus some extra, you know, MCU white characters that, you know, we had to like get a little bit of. That meant that the other main, um, I guess, nation or new characters, we got to only really know one. <laughs> and he was still 
no, uh, Namor was only, uh, we didn't get a, much, a lot of interiority from him. So um, it doesn't mean that he's not going to get it, but I just felt like um, there were so many big moments that we didn't get the smaller moments with him and the other characters I wanted mm-hmm. to know for. So, you know, I, I think it was just, there's just a lot of characters, a lot of things going on. And because of that, some things dragged, some things were really good. Um, so, and at the end I was just like, wait, why, why did this thing, you know, end abruptly when I needed this question and where's my second credit sequence, you know, scene? <laughs> because in the, in the very least you don't answer my question, but at least you tease that, yes, we will get to it. And so there was only one mid credit sequence and, um, and that was really good and that was spoilery. So we won't talk about it, but <laughs> isn't yeah. it kind of sad that like we're relying on these conventions? Well, I didn't to, want like, to, fill that's in. the thing. <laughs> I, I'm usually actually happy when the second credit thing is just a kind of a fun bonus thing, like eating a gyro. But um, this time I did feel like it, the movie dragged and it didn't, and then it cut off abruptly for some things I wanted to know. And that's where I think the the bonus scene helps um, at least say, don't worry, we'll get to it. <laughs> you know, So that did leave me a little bit wanting. Um, uh, I did, I do agree. Like the performances were just bar none. And for me, that helped with a lot of the sort of dragging moments or the moments where I'm like, I'm feeling very uncomfortable and maybe that's what's intended. But uh, at the same time, it doesn't help my discomfort. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought it was, um, I thought it was like out when, when it wasn't CGI, like slash underwater. I thought like things were shot beautifully. Um, but when we get into some of the, like, I don't know, man, some of the water sequences that just felt so endless. I'm like, there's so much water and like everyone's blue and everything's blue. And I'm just like, and I literally just had to sit through like 30 minutes of like avatar trailers, um, (laughs) avatar, the way of water trailers, not avatar last airbender. And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, like visually I'm like, the first movie was so stunning. Right. And I'm like like just the the way they crafted everything and you know warrior falls and just just the colorfulness and the brightness of and like this beautiful afro future technic techno future that um that the the production team created and i'm just like oh like this is just a lot of blue <laughs> it did feel like they could have done a little more with showcasing this like completely underwater civilization you know, which is kind of sad because you have an opportunity to, like, show something completely alien. We know you can do alien worlds really well. We saw it. We see it in, like, Eternals and Guardians of the Galaxy. But, yeah, like, I felt so I didn't watch Game of Thrones. But I felt like what people must have felt like when they watched those really dark episodes. is like, this is just a lot of really dark <laughs> scenes. Like, this- I think I had. I was okay watching it, like actually making out stuff, but I do feel like they were kind of othered in a way that I didn't feel like it was like, hey, here's just a whole bunch of background stuff and you get to like, you don't know where to look and then all of a sudden you're done. Um, I know it's probably because it's expensive (laughs) to do, (laughs) but at the same time, yeah, it doesn't help, you know, make their case for uh, a people that you think are important. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we're talking about the sequel to like one of the most successful of the MCU films, 
like let's spend some of that money which i'm sure they did spend lots of money on tinox abs and whatnot but <laughs> what do you mean that's just pure him that's <laughs> he, well i was also just like i'm like man this must have been so uncomfortable to film like just being in water all day like you could probably i'm sure that's what like bumped up the budget right because like when you're shooting in water you can only shoot for like four minutes at a time like that's just a whole nother level of like oh this is annoying right and i'm just like <laughs> and then um and at least this movie did not give get make me motion sick though um um aquaman did i had to step yeah. out because yeah. i was sitting in like the um you know like what's usually the wheelchair row like that flat yeah. ground and i was like i'm about to vomit yeah so um and i did i i was very chuffed to every time i saw a whale yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I saw a whale. On, I I audibly laughed, and I was the, the same. One, but like from delight, like when, <laughs> when the when Shamu comes out in the very first attack, uh huh, on the like bridge, a whale, and he just pops out, and I'm like, that's a fucking whale. I, I was like cackled. <laughs> I have to yeah, say, I was the only one, Han. Yeah, <laughs> Shamu jumps out of the water, and like all of the, uh, what are they called, Tanakans? Namorians, all of them like jump out of its mouth or something or off of him and i was just like yeah. what the fuck just happened yeah i'm like what is happening so see those are the types of things it's like i wanted more of that to really get me to like love and embrace because i think aquatic creatures are really cool and i don't think they did enough of that you know like uh, using seahorses as something you know i i wanted to you, see you like prefer the, the aquaman willem dafoe's being pulled by a chariot of uh, you know hammerhead or, sharks or more <laughs> or more of that because in a way i think that maybe not using all of them but living in their environment in harmony with the aquatic creatures i think would be really important for me to see um you know like flintstones but underwater uh i mean and- i think they evoke that pretty well though i i, I think riding hammerhead using a chariot would be a very like colonizer thing to do. No, no, no. That's what I was saying is I don't necessarily want them to use it, but I wanted to see more of them just hanging out. And I don't, besides the Uh, whales, I don't think I saw enough of that because like they're, they are, they are an invasive species when it comes to living underwater. So (laughs) I feel like they are now like the, the guardians of those other, of the deep. Yeah. We definitely didn't spend enough time in Talakon. But at yeah. the same time, like this film, like we mentioned, is trying to do a lot of things. And yeah, yeah, I think what it does well is those character moments. Like whenever you have two characters talking, like acting at each other, it's very strong. And, you know, this is a film about overcoming grief and dealing with like like the anger of being oppressed. Well, it's also like dealing with an ongoing shit show, which is what all of us are dealing with. Right. You know, like still having to move on despite grief. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it does a good job addressing things like what happens when you have a power vacuum and, you know, what happens when you're like trying to maintain a strong facade while like your insides are all in turmoil. And I like that it continues the theme of like Killmonger was right. You know, like (laughs) everyone in this film is. He may not be right, but he's not. He's not wrong. Yeah, (laughs) he's not wrong. Um, I I think it's even more simple than that. I like how Marvin always takes like the very like mm-hmm. up there political approach, which is like a very Marvin thing to do. And uh, no wonder he loves Andor. But um, I'm just like it's very simply a coming of age story at the very highest stakes. Yeah. She is right, like it's it's to the extremes. Like she's a super 
Like she, it's it's about her growing, having to grow up and find a way without her brother, right? Who has been a voice without without some, you know, her family, you know, incurring loss, which is a part of growing up. And it's not a coincidence that like all Disney movies, like ice a parent or ice, you know, someone like there, there's always, you know, like Disney or they're orphans or they're like single <laughs> raised by single parents. But, you know, like we're talking about like, it's not like she needs to become a woman. It's like just become a woman. Like she needs to become a fucking queen. She needs to become a black Panther. Like that's, I like that um, kind of convention a lot. Cause I'm just a whore for coming of age stories. I, I Yeah. And I think this was particularly a good one when it comes to uh, matriarchal stories, because, you know, her own mother has to step in after, T'Challa dies. She, of course, is uh, trying to fill his shoes at some point um, using technology. But then also even Namor is, uh, comes into his own because of his mother. And of course, there's the whole uh, Dora Milaje. So there's, it's a really, really matriarchal story throughout the whole second movie. And I, I like that it, they're not really sidelined a lot for those things. They you follow them doing all the stuff, um, including again, Riri Williams, um, who we, I, I, is it spoilery if we talk about her? I don't know. I mean, uh, her character has been in a lot of she marketing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know that she's Ironheart who is yeah. like an Iron Man, right? She is like yeah. the black girl Iron Man to like reduce it to like her yeah. base, like characteristics. But yeah, yeah. She's been the character that has been highly, highly anticipated to be brought into the live action universe, much like Kamala Khan and a lot of the, the younger, you know, Avengers that they're starting to yeah. I guess, assemble. Yeah. So it was really great to see Riri Williams and um, Shuri both being like STEM girls, you know, forever uh, doing science and math things. There's a lot of jokes about differential equations. <laughs> um, there's like giant, like 3D DNA uh, strands that we have to look at. There's just like a really great, you know, uh, montage of science going on that was really enjoyable for me. <laughs> so uh, science. It, it's like science and invention, you know, um, and that was one of the things that, uh, despite some of my issues with Letitia Wright, I, it helped me recall why I liked her character so much in the first movie was, besides her being just like lighthearted and sort of cheeky, she was also really big in on, on invention. So you get to see some of it here, even though it's like she's doing it through a more desperate sort of need. Um, and it's maybe less joyful for her during this part, but it was still just fascinating and fun, that whole part. Yeah. Yeah. And um I I also like just speaking from my personal experience, it is also like a weird moment when you become you when you go from being the younger sister mm. to the older sister, which is something we see in this film as well. It's like, oh, you were always the baby of the family and now you're like, oh, now you have to go like teach and coach and <laughs> be a role I'm like, ah. All right. Well, I think that does it for our regular discussion of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, like I mentioned before, um, stay tuned after the credits and advertisement for our spoiler zone, where we'll be going more into the spoilery details about uh, the film. But yeah, to close out our discussion, um, gotta ask, is Black Panther Wakanda Forever good pop? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I think it's a thoughtful movie that has, inspires many conversations. It also has some really great set pieces and great performances by really hot actors. So hot. Like, so hot. And <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Like, Black Panther, streak of really memorable villains, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think we are, you know, there. it's the start, I hope, of a bigger opportunity for people like Tenak Huerta and, uh, you know, more, more like indigenous. And he's he's fantastic in interviews. Um, I have been <laughs> I get them on my TikToks now because <laughs> I like the way he looks and my phone knows that. But he's he I saw like one interview where he was like, yeah, if you looked at Mexico, if you looked at Mexico in like a film or on Mexican TV, you would think we're a Scandinavian country. Like it's so white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he just calls it out. And I'm like, yeah, like that's very true. And he is you know he i don't know if he i think i think i read that he doesn't he even though he does have indigenous background he doesn't necessarily identify like strongly with that which is totally fair um but i'm just like <laughs> i'm just like you keep wearing those shorts and you can do whatever <laughs> you want yeah i definitely think it's good pop um in terms of mcu films like we mentioned they're doing interesting things they're doing good things um different things and trying to address different things right it's, it's not just a hero's journey it's a hero's journey in the lens of like a woman of color and the global south and like a lot of they talk about a lot of things that you usually don't really get in a marvel film like a disney film right mm -hmm. and i think that's great um you know all my issues with the film is more with the marvelness of it than the film itself and yeah. i think that's just the price of admission these days you know maybe i'll get over it at some point you know maybe uh, Marvel figures out how to do CGI better and it doesn't take me out of it as much. Um, but I think overall I had a fun watch. Um, I did wish it was a smooch shorter, um, but I think that's just me being another year older. Did you have to pee? I did have to pee. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm a dehydrated, so I don't care how long the movie is. So. All right. Well, that does it for a discussion of Wakanda forever. Um, Jess Han, if people want to hear more of your thoughts, where can they go? So now? far, I'm still on Twitter <laughs> at JustJewTweets. Yeah, as the ship goes down, I'm still there. Also at Anonymous. Yeah, I'm playing that violin till it mm -hmm. sinks, Marvin. <laughs> I am also still on Twitter at Marvin Yue. Um, you can find our show at Good Pop Club. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. We'll be back next week um, for a very special Thanksgiving episode where we'll be discussing Christmas at the Golden Dragon. Um, because what's more Thanksgiving than watching a the Christmas Chinese movie? Chinese food. That also. <laughs> Both of those things. All right. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Bulba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, 
Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. All right, a quick warning. Uh, once again, we are entering the spoiler zone for our discussion of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So if you have not watched the film yet, um, please try carefully. Uh, but here we go. Please enjoy. So yeah, how did we feel about the central conflict in this film being a war between a black nation and an indigenous nation. Yeah, no, I felt highly uncomfortable because I'm like, there's this black African nation who are our heroes, right? But then their enemies are an indigenous one. Like, yeah, they got, you know, they got basically colonized and pushed into the water um, and they're defending their own land and they're hoping to band together, but they're pit against each other. So part of me was uncomfortable watching it because I was like, am I supposed to root for one or the other? Part of me, though, was thinking maybe the discomfort is kind of the point, you know, for me anyway, like maybe I'm not supposed to villainize these people, even though we haven't gotten to know them very well. Um and maybe think that, yeah, yeah, he's hot, but maybe he also like has all this other stuff we don't know about yet. So that was <laughs> my hope that Ryan Coogler was thinking about that, because that's also why I feel like the movie is somewhat unfinished. Um, it can't end there. The story doesn't end there. The movie ends, no. but not the story. I so mean, that's why I thought we didn't get to see that much about the Talacans, but at the same time... Uh, it was an interesting thought experiment for me. <laughs> I mean, the the conflict between the like the protagonist and antagonist, right, is mm-hmm. similar to the conflict in the first film, which is how do you fight back against oppression and colonization and imperialism? Do you take the fight back at them, or do you like cooperate? I think. Well, or I think it's just like, can you? does violence justify the ends right Mm -hmm. like and and i think two ways like is are you allowed to use your oppressor's tool to not be oppressed um which i mean you're in your andor kick right now man isn't the whole thesis of that like the only way out of fascism is armed revolution i mean it's a thesis of that or it's (laughs) being explored um and you know not to go on to Andor, but we know that the eventual leader of the rebellion founds a republic that lasts like five years, right? <laughs> yeah, no contingency planning there. Um, yeah, I think for so here's where also like in addition to Namor just being so sexy and convincing and like he was really nice to her, you know, when he was when she was like kidnapped by him. So I'm like, you know, he's like res- paying respect where respect is due. It's like diplomacy. This movie is also like very like very high on diplomacy like ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm uh, like a part of me is like, yes, like you know, Riri. I th- I think it was very smart to put Riri Williams. I don't know if she's traditionally like the one who does this or like where Ironheart is traditionally positioned in these stories, but I think it is to like to put like a 19 year old like innocent girl in the middle of this is uh pretty smart 
because you know in other movies I'm just like no nah, you gotta kill them like which <laughs> right she provides like a moral kinda... quandary right she provides like a like at least on the surface a correct quote unquote moral choice yes but I'm still like very like I'm, part of me is still very like brutally pragmatic like <laughs> it, it's it's not as bad as I felt during like watching Spider-Man where like like He's like, I can't kill Wub-. Like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. I actually think it's your moral imperative to, mm-hmm. like, take one for the team to save, like, a bunch of other people. So I'm just like, you know, like, what Namor was asking is, like, I mean, you know, <laughs> on a global scale, we've done much worse. Like, much, much worse. The Avengers have done much worse in just, like, casualties, right? Like, I'm just like... I mean, if this is going to prevent an all-out war, you know, it's like, or just don't get involved, you know, like, just just don't get involved. Let the chips fall. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a terrible person, so I mean, maybe don't listen to me. This is the issue with, like, Marvel Third Acts, especially involving nations fighting each other or, like, giant armies fighting each other because you have your the leaders of your countries fighting each other, but at the cost of, like, like a lot of people get murked in this film. Like a lot of people are yeah. stabbed and just murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like T'Challa slash um, Okea and like everybody on this Wakanda side, like you have also like driven through streets of South Korea, like just nuking people. You have, you have, um, <laughs> you know, like gone into a lot of different situations, just, just straight up. Just straight up, like whatever about the casualties. I'm like, oh, this is why I gotta draw the line. But I get it, movies. <laughs> yeah, I think on one hand, you're not supposed to think too hard about it. But on the other hand, this is a Ryan Coogler film. This is Black Panther. Aren't we supposed to think about it? And yeah, I- but are we doing the racist thing? Works. So we're expecting the filmmaker, the non-white filmmakers, to. I mean. <laughs> Brad Kugler is extremely talented and he is a fantastic filmmaker. But I'm also just like, you know, are we expecting to, like, are we putting him to a higher standard? Is that fair? I mean, I feel like all the things I have problems with isn't a Kugler problem. It's probably a Feige problem, right? Yeah, it's a Marvel problem, right? You got to cram all this, like, exposition in and you got to cram all this backstory and you got to, like, you have to cram, like, I think there's, like, a version where, like, you know, the MacGuffin catalyst isn't Riri Williams, right? It's it's something else, and then you keep it more contained to, to there's there's a there's a version of this where you don't even need, do we need to even visit Martin Short? I mean, yeah, character? that's. And, like, Julia, I did not watch Hawkeye, so, like, <laughs> I don't even know what, like, her whole deal is. I mean, I think so. I think this is where Han's thing of like some threads were left incomplete comes into play because you have a perfect antagonist in this film that never gets used as an antagonist. They're just like there to set up the next movie, right? Julie Louis Dreyfus's character is has been in the past few Marvel shows actually building a team of like anti-heroes and supervillains, pretty much her own suicide squad. That they're getting a movie soon. Like the Thunderbolts will be a film in like 2024 mm-hmm. or something. But if the enemy here is supposed to be Western, like Imperial influence, there was, was an opportunity there to kind of showcase, like even like, you know, American involvement in civil wars, right? Arming one country to fight another for their own interests, right? Yeah, I mean, like 
basically like I think if they had carried that thread from the beginning when Queen Ramond is at the UN and she's like, hey, France, here's your fucking mercenaries back when you try to rob us. I think that would have been a really cool theme. And, you know, Marvel has done some pretty crazy shit like that. They, you know, Hydra infiltrated the entirety of um, <laughs> what was what's the agents of shield agents of shield right like you learn like everything's true you like you you kind of realize implicitly that it's like war nazi war criminal zola was like given a spot at shield to like do his crazy shit yeah like Um, fascists were running the shadow u.s government yeah so they've Uh, done shit like that i was like why i feel like they could they they should have made it maybe more like that but then i think sometimes as much as i like tena cuerta and like just seeing him in his little shorts um but i think if you do that just from a structural standpoint then the movie almost becomes about martin short uh, martin freeman martin freeman sorry <laughs> not martin short i'm getting my martin because his, his character sets up the more interesting nexus of those or, or worlds. what could have been interesting maybe is remove all the white people altogether, um yes. and just have a a movie where it is fully people of color against people of color. So you're really digging in deep into that sort of discomfort. But then the the end tag can be about the white people trying to control stuff and interfering. So that way you can like think, oh, wait, I need to watch this movie again. And there might be little clues along the way. Um, and then that will set up the third movie. But because... I do think that by dropping them here and there, it made me want more from the uh, f- as a conclusion with them. And I do agree that we don't need to necessarily have them in the movie throughout. So maybe that's what set up that expectation. Um, I don't know. It, it, it As much as I like actually Martin Freeman, I think he's a really good actor in a lot of things. And same with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I kind of just like, what the they fuck? They don't is- need to be in this movie. Yeah, they're... they're- Roles were just like eh, I could do without them. So love Bilbo Baggins's um, American accent, really <laughs> top notch American accent for Martin Freeman. Hey, I can't tell if that's sarcastic or not. <laughs> Always better than American's uh, version of British or any other. You know what I just thought about? What that final fight reminded me of? Because we're watching these two people that we don't really think should be fighting fighting each other. It's basically Batman versus Superman, right? Except there's oh. no Martha moment. There's no Martha moment, and so it's obviously better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God, that moment was so bad. Um, uh, I, I I do have to like shout out some of the good fights that we kind of, or the moments that I enjoyed. Uh, so when they're on the ship and all the Dora Milaje like jump, it looks like jump overboard. Okay, okay. yes, that was cool, but I hate to tell you this, yes. but I'm going to. Go. This is a move they do in The Great Wall, the Matt Damon <laughs> movie. There's literally a action sequence that is exactly like this. So I was like, well, oh, no. I don't think I it's love. just the Great Wall. I believe this is probably a strategy used throughout history so that they yes. are just. <laughs> I very just. We are not going to credit Great the Great Wall for this move. <laughs> I actually um, don't think it's actually an actual, like, effective military strategy. It seems very hard to fight while tied up on a rope vertically. This is like kung fu movie shit, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just visually fun and cool. Like, I I don't necessarily think it's maybe the best. Um, But, you know, when you're playing, like, when you're fighting aquatic people who can also scale, like, walls of ships, maybe you have to do other things. (laughs) um, 
So that was fun. Um, I think I, I, I liked, yes. Mbappe. I did question the tactical or strategic um, sanity of fighting a seafaring people at On sea. On the water. Right, right. Don't you want a land war? Um, right? Yeah, that was dumb. I was like, he's still very close to the ocean. I I like I like how ultimately like the tactic is let's dehydrate him. Let's put him in a Ronco air dryer. Yeah. Like a food Let, dehydrator. You're gonna be like my squid. Um I think <laughs> the the point was they go to the water and then they draw him to the the desert, but because the the ship blew up, they ended up still near the water. I think that's what happened. R- Ryan Kugler said the enemy is being ashy. That is the greatest enemy. I mean, sure, that's the plan, but you're still like, I feel like everyone on that boat was left to die. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like a lot of Wakandans died. Like between like this fight, the fight um, at the end of Endgame that like kills them. I'm just like, yo, maybe go fight somewhere else. Leave the Wakandans alone. All right. I guess before we go, do we want to talk about the end? Yeah. Mid credits. I mean, I feel like I, I'm. Did I? I mean, maybe I'm just dead inside, but I didn't really feel anything. Same. Um, <laughs> so we should actually just set it up. So the one mid credit sequence that we got, uh, mid credit scene we got was um, N- Nakia um, basically introducing her and T'Challa's son, Toussaint, um, to uh, Shuri, and it's like, by the way. Your brother procreated. So yes. he actually has an heir and he's been hiding in Haiti all this time. And his name Toussaint is ha- Haitian, but his actual name is T'Challa. Um, so that was an interesting moment because I was just like, are we supposed to be happy about this? Especially for this Shuri who ascended and got the Black Panther mantle through grief and hard work and actually like sciencing things together. Um, or... or or is that maybe her supposed to be her heir? I was like, I was kind of confused about like what yeah. we were supposed to feel. Well, I, I wasn't also implied that she abdicated the throne to Winston Duke. Sorry, uh, I forgot his name. Mbaku. Mbaku. I think he said he was going to try for it, but she had other things to do. Um, it was that was also kind of confusing to me. Yes. So I don't think she necessarily gave it up. <laughs> I thought it was very touching from like a like Shuri personal character yeah, arc. Family. Because she realizes she's not alone. And, you know, she can this again, this theme of coming of age and now being kind of responsible for another, you know, human and another person's journey in, in that way, you know, when you love someone. I thought that was like very touching. But then yes, it felt very like on a principle, I'm like, oh, this like Oh wow, they had a baby. How convenient. Like she didn't and it's just like it almost like I think it almost like like degrades like uh Lupi Danyango's like character. Like now she's just become the incubator for this obvious workaround they're trying to do. And it's like, oh, okay, like the capitalist in me is like, okay, I get it. Um, but especially because if we're going to talk like story, like he's six, like we're going to have to do another, like, are we setting it up for the Black Panther reboot in 10 years, in 15 years? 
Yeah. I mean, they're I, probably thinking about it. I. It seems like the serious... Have you guys ever seen... Again, one of my favorite movies. Have you guys ever seen Beer Fest? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Beer Fest. Me too. One of my... Broken Lizards Beer Fest. Check it out. Great. One of the all-time great, like, lowbrow bro movies ever. But and one of the best sports movie ever made. One of the best sports movies ever made. But, you know, there's a sequence where one of their team members gets murdered. Um, and then conven- at the funeral, they conveniently meet his twin brother who uh, wants to carry on in his memory and also has the exact <laughs> look identical and has it all the... It does me- have similar vibes to that. It does have... Yeah, it yeah. is the serious Marvel version of that. I'm just like, oh, okay. And then like on the... And then also like on like a... My feminist brain is like worrying because I'm like, okay, you literally... We just literally spent like two and a half, 40 minutes, mm-hmm. two hours, 40 minutes talking about matriarchy and being in this presence of all mm-hmm. these strong women. And then you're going to like undercut like... Oh no, there's another male heir. Yeah, and and I think part of that was also not just the gender thing, which I agree, but also uh Shuri had to really work to be able to inherit the the, the title. It wasn't just going to go to some random person and she wasn't going to automatically get it by being related to T'Challa. So she had to actually earn it. And so this kid might take it away from her by just being blood related. I mean, this is like the ro- that's the royal family, you know. That's the whole thing. I mean, yeah, this whole monarchy thing going on here. But it, I, I, yeah. So what what I read from at least what the character is saying is that she kept him a secret so that he doesn't play into court politics. Um, and at the same time, also, I don't know if Shuri like worked to earn it more. She worked to accept it, right? Because they're already going to give it to her. Regardless, I, I mean, well, right? no, As, like, I mean the lone heir to the queen. Well, I mean, there's we're talking either about being queen or being a Black Panther. Those are like two different things, right? Mm. Because her mother wasn't Black Panther, so so I felt like if she's like leading, I don't know if she's leading anything or not. So uh, th- there are a lot of questions I had um, <laughs> at the end there, but I felt like she had to earn Black Panther. And that's yes. what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, mm. But uh, I guess yeah. the other thing I think is kind of interesting is, of course, just Haiti in general, um, which uh, despite like a lot of the things they're going through now, they did have a uh, successful rebellion at some point. Um, I think one of the leaders was Toussaint, um, named Toussaint. And so I think there might be some interesting things going on there. There are indigenous people there. Um, so who knows? If maybe this dual identity, even though he's considered, this kid is considered Haitian, he is still by blood dual Wakandan. <laughs> so, also, this is just, you know, th- sorry, Chowder's barking. Yeah. <laughs> also, just, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good look, my little, little crusty white dog. You're trying to, mm-hmm. Chowder, be quiet. Hold on, let me ask Raymond to. Yeah. Okay. Also, I would like to take this time out to stay very, you know, to stay very. I would like to take this time now to stay very explicitly. Explicitly, there are Black Indigenous people. Yes, and those things should not be seen as necessarily separate, especially if we are going to talk about the Caribbean. 
in that area, you know, where Haiti resides. So just getting that out there. And I think, you know, the, if we wanted to dive deeper, don't know if we're exactly the right people to dive into this conversation, but, yeah. uh, you know, very much just want to put that out there explicitly um, and, and, you know, wish the film had more time to, or maybe made some choices that maybe reflected that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, Marvel f- films do this, right? This is like the cost of doing business in Marvel is you have to drop seeds for future Marvel films because it's now a full on like, Ouroboros like entity that like feeds itself with references and foreshadowing and Easter eggs, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if T'Challa Jr. will factor into future Black Panther films. I mean, TJ. Um, that's very filipino (laughs) tj he's so young we'll see the the reboot the reboot in like 20 years yeah yeah or i mean we're we're in the era of like timelines and parallel universes i'm sure if they want to they can bring back tj as a future time traveler Right, at That's, some point. Ooh, pull a Dragon Ball Z. I kind of like that. I'm I'm a whore for time travel stories, though. So, like, into yeah. it. I mean, Marvel is... Uh, MC is going deep into tiny, whiny bullshit in this phase. So, Hi, you're in luck. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, um, to reiterate, we Hi, did mama. have fun watching this film. We had fun. <laughs> We're just being really picky because we know the um, the caliber of which... This whole team works, so I, I it is a good film. Yeah. I mean, it's yes. a it's a very thoughtful film, and that's why we're having thoughtful conversations about yeah. it. And going back to the core themes of Letitia Wright's Shuri coming to terms with her internal messiness and anger, I love that the ancestors she ends up connecting with in the spirit realm turns out to be Killmonger, oh. like Michael B. Jordan. I was not was expecting like, that, and yeah, I was like, I was oh, that actually, Angela that's Bassett. a very cool. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I still give them props for, and we're still in spoilers on. So like, you know, the fact that they brought back Killmonger to have the conversation for her and that they fucking killed Angela Bassett, which totally makes sense in the course of this movie and Shuri's journey. But I'm like, wow, like that is brutal. That's pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, Namor deserved to die. But I did like that um, Killmonger had a very uh, large white fisherman sweater on. Um, yeah, like nice that went down to the floor, right? <laughs> right? The sweater. The sweaters are just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars would never. Their force ghosts aren't dripping like that. Star Wars had interesting fashion in Andor, I have to say. <laughs> so, as always, you know, Asian This inflected. is a pro Andor podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, but okay. I thought that was a genius move to like really, really give us a sense of what her internal conflict is. And that is that she's more like her cousin than her brother. Yeah. I mean, it's also just like grief and vengeance, right? Yeah. Are are such like, who, who are you? Yeah. Who are you after the fire of that trial? Yeah. And like we mentioned, like that righteous anger, right? She has every right to be angry at the people who've taken things away from her. And that includes like the world, right? It's a good movie. Yeah. He just, and again, yeah. Okay. Like considering 
like this movie had everything we're against it lost your star and and beloved friend right um covid let's be real Letitia Wright fucking not being vaccinated and then getting injured on set um filming in water and and all that shit and then like yeah you pulled it off I yeah. was kind of ironic. I was like, ooh, she's like all about like STEM and like saving people in this. I'm like, mm-hmm, <laughs> but Letitia Wright, <laughs> you're not vaccinated. <laughs> I'm just like, she, the thing is, she's she's a phenomenal actor. Like, I'm not going to pretend like she wasn't very talented. And I'm not going to pretend like she didn't carry that movie and like did 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 incredibly good job. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Like, but it's just like, I, you know. I'm not going to say poor Marvel because I'm not going to empathize with a major corporation. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, like, what do you do? Like, you already lost your star. The only other person who can carry this narrative forward is an anti-vaxxer. I hope Kevin Feige just went out there and, like, jabbed her himself. Because <laughs> um, that's what I would have done. Yeah. No, I was also disappointed just because I also liked her in um, Black Mirror. She had a great role there. And um, in some other stuff I've seen her in before. Um so, yeah, it was unfortunate. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. It's always sad when real life bleeds into pop culture life and to be aware of it. Because some people are just, you know, blissfully ignorant, which, you know, Damn, what, what's it like great. to be them? <laughs> I would, that sounds amazing. That sounds All right. Good. 